Welcome back to Rubrics, a St. Timothy's podcast, and there are three of us today. We have Father Luke, Father Steve, and... Abby Rice. Abby Rice, Father Steve's daughter, is joining us today. Um, another, another episode with a guest, and we are excited to talk about spirituality, um, youth, you know, how to live a Christian life as a young person in today's culture, all of that good stuff. Um, and we will jump right into it today, and we'll let you kind of introduce yourself a bit. But I'm going to open us with the collect for Joachim and Anne, the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is our feast today. So let us open in prayer. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we remember in thanksgiving this day the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we pray that we all may be one, made one in the heavenly family of thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who with thee and the Holy Spirit liveth and reigneth, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This is a better day for you. The reading at morning prayer was about Abigail. That's right. Yeah, we were just talking about that last night. Your middle name is Anne, mm-hmm. Anna. Um, oh, look at so you. Today's your, your feast day. So. Oh, fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Why didn't you know that? I don't know. It's not a major <laughs> Abby, remi- Abby reminded me, um, I did one-off podcasts 100 years ago. Did you really? And Abby was the first guest. It was How old all, were you? It was all about being an acolyte, and I have, ah, I have it somewhere on, in some file, which I thought about. I should have dug yeah, it up. Yeah, we should uh, have, we could have played We some. could have played it and had a play-by-play of how, <laughs> of how awful it was. It was, was done on our back porch. Done on the back porch, yeah. What was the mic situation? It was Phone? a snowball. No, oh, a snowball, snowball yeah. yeah. They, they still use yeah, those. Yeah. They still use those. Well, for those of uh, you who listened to last episode, um, I'm here. Baby has not come yet. I kept telling him to come <clears throat> yesterday on the Feast of St. James, and he did not listen. So we're still waiting with anticipation. But uh, next week it may be Father Stephen and another guest, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. To get us started, um, Abby, just most people know you. You're the priest's daughter. Um, we'll get into that a little bit, and the spotlight has kind of been on you. But give people an update where you are in your life right now. What's what's kind of on the horizon in, you know, less than a month now, um, or a month plus one day, I think. But uh, where where are you at? Where are you going to college? Kind of what's next for you? So I'm 18. I just graduated high school. Um, and then next month, I'm going to Roanoke College for school, and I'm also going to be playing basketball. Yeah, so you were playing college basketball. You were an uh, all-star basketball player all throughout high school. When did you start playing basketball? Fifth grade. Okay, mm-hmm. so a while. You also played soccer, but um, soccer's done now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just, just basketball. Going to Roanoke College, which is, what, two hours north of here? Yep, about? about two hours and 15 minutes. Dad, how are you doing? I'm ready. Are you both ready? I think so. No, it, it, it's, uh, I have, it's, it's, I'm exactly where you are in a different, in a, yeah. just 18 years later, is that intellectually I've processed how this is going to yeah. go. I've got tons of people who've, who have sent kids off to college, so I have, uh, I, I have, I can imagine how it will be, and um, but one never knows until mm-hmm. it's like it's like we said. I mean, people always send their kids to college, yep. but this is my first time doing yeah, it. Yeah, so, exactly. So that's where I am. Um, I mean, I'm happy for her. I mean, I mean, thrilled and uh, um, I'm excited about her her classes, the college basketball. I mean, I'm thrilled for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be sad having um, one empty space at the dinner table. Oh my but, gosh! But no, it'll be, it'll be fine. You know, what my, you know what my mom did when my brother left for college? She kept accidentally setting that extra space, oh, really? and my sister and I would give her the hardest time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, you, you got to get over this, you know. Um, but I remember her doing that a couple times, and we would kind of give her a hard time. But I mean, it was you know the habit of yeah. you know you set X many spaces, and now it's now it's minus one. You know, I'm really trying to to live into, and I think I th- actually think we'll be fine because she's two hours away. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. not. She's not. Yeah three states away is this is why you I mean you, you this is why you have a, a kid yeah so that James can be you know sent fully off. alive right. and sent off and have his own his own life and have his own experiences and his own family and that's your gift to him is to yeah. raise him so he can do that so it would be completely selfish uh, for us to want to keep Abby and um, you know our other 
children with us all the time. Right. And that would be cruel. And, right. and so, so this is this is great. It's exciting for her to do that. And I, I think, you know, I think Abby will be home enough. Yeah. You know, so it'll be it'll be good. So not yeah. far away. She needs some time away from us. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember when I went to college. Um, you know, I had I had a couple friends who went home every weekend for like the first four or five weeks. I was three hours away, so it was it was a little harder. But um, you know, the kids who went home every weekend for four or five weeks, um, it, I think it takes them a little bit longer. So so stay up there, right, listen, have a good time. And I loved my parents. I loved my my childhood. I loved all of that. But I much. I mean, I really love being, you know, my own person with yeah. my own family. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm happy for it. It's going to be exciting. So, Abby, you move in August 27th, right? Grocery bill will go down a little bit as well, which is exciting. There you go. So. First priorities. You get to college. What are the first things in the first week that you want to have done? I think everyone's priorities are a little different when you get to college. For you, have you even thought about that first week? What What's a checklist you want? I mean, not really. Oh, you lie. Yeah, but you thought this through 100 times. No, I really haven't. I don't know. Like, find where my classes are. Okay, yeah. My, my, mine class. was walk the campus at least two or three times yeah. and lay eyes on my classrooms. Yeah, and you went to a huge campus. I have a pretty small campus, but I still don't know where anything is. So I have that stuff. Well, you haven't even spoken to your roommate in, you know, on the flesh. Only, only text messages, right? So Yeah, true. So that's going to be a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about um, sports? Oh, yeah, I'll need to. I have some fitness testing okay. that I have to pass, so I have to do some trial runs that first week for sure. Especially since like a college court, it's bigger than a yeah. regular court, and there's no college courts that I can access around here. So three point line is further, right? Yes. Is it? Okay. I, yeah. I but the actual length of the court, the length is, of the court is longer. is longer by like ten feet. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So. She has these insane. A little bit more conditioning, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, what they have her doing is pretty, it's pretty insane. So I mean, yeah. you really are shifting to an adult world here, whereas you're not coddled. Here's the expectation: yep. get it done, make it happen. You're yep. on your own. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna hold your hand the whole way. True. Um, which is which is you know the adjustment. How many how many classes did you skip in college? Well, so I skipped. Uh, you probably did a lot. Well, no, I, I, I would have done more. So I went to a school that had fewer people than oh, I've gone yeah, to, yeah. and I, I skipped. I skipped um, first semester, World Civ uh, one. I skipped a few, but but I realized that. If you missed more than like three, you lost a letter grade. Yeah, that's... And that really hurt my... I was irritated. Like, I did fine on the tests. Yeah. And so I went to more of them because it would hurt the grade. Now, I skipped chapel a lot, and I had to pay uh, every semester. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had to go to 17 so per semester. And uh, there were $15. Um, uh, wherever, whatever, Everyone under you 17 yeah. yet. So I ended up paying 50 bucks a semester. That's, that's yeah. steep. It was steep. That's steep. I, re- I went to a big school, and um, some of my classes were 20 kids. Some of them were 120, you know, the the intro, whatever, 101 classes. My graduating class was 64. Yeah, so, I mean, I went from a small yeah. private school to University of Oklahoma, but um, – I was, you know, a couple of my classes had the attendance requirement, and then some didn't. And especially with those intro classes, you know, I realized pretty quickly, I know what they're doing because they're just following, you know, the slideshow that gets posted the next day. And so, you know, I learned I can probably skip, you know, four or five in a three-week period and be fine. And I, you know, got good enough grades on the test. And so then I had those classes with the attendance, and I would get frustrated. I was like, if I'm... Doing the work, learning what I'm supposed to, you know, why am I here? This is dating me, we'll move on, but when I was in seminary, this is the only time I was able to take advantage of that. You could pay a fee in one of the big classes. That There was only one class in the large uh, room that had multimedia yeah. um, capability, and you could pay, I forget how much, to get cassette tapes. Oh wow, you are dating yourself. Yeah. So you would you would you would you would you would um you could listen to the cassette tapes yeah. if you missed a class and that was the entire lecture. Yeah. And so I had I had friends, uh, classmates yeah. who created a like a Google Doc. Instead of everyone taking their own notes, they just made a Google Doc. We all took notes on it. 
So if one of us wanted to miss, three others would be there taking it. Was, it, was, it was good. That's how that being said. So I got to know her mother, and we had a class together in college, and I took her notes in mythology and sold them. <laughs> they were good enough to sell? Yes. Well, there you go. He made copies and I sold did. them. Smart. Well, religious uh, shifting gears a little bit. Um, you know, you... I would say finding a church is a priority. You've already found your church, right? I did. Yeah. So how did how did that work, and how did how early did you start that process? Pretty early, probably. I'm trying to think when I did it. Maybe before even March, I went up for accepted students' day. Okay. I think in March, maybe in April, and. I wanted to know where I was going to go before I got on campus, like this August. And so I had looked online at a bunch of the Episcopal churches in the area and saw some live streams, all that kind of stuff, got a feel for the churches. And then I chose one, and then me and my mom went to it. Um, so you've already been to it? Mm hmm. I've been to it twice. So okay. I went during Accepted Students Day, and then I was also up there you went for. Once by yourself and once with your mom? Yes. Yeah. And then I went by myself. We were there for camp um, on a Saturday and Sunday. A bunch of us went and helped just run the camp, um, the basketball players. And so then I went up and went to church there again. It okay. was good. It was different, but I was kind of expecting that. Yeah. So two things. One, you're 90% ahead of most people. Did you, did you plan where you were going to church before you went to college? Well, sort of. I mean, it's, it's such a, a one-off. I mean, I was, I started working at a church my oh, that's right. my yeah. first year in college. So yeah, so there I mean, you go. Yeah. So I, I, you know, was Baptist at the time. Knew I wanted to change, and so my first month, I went to Presbyterian Church, um, and you know, one of the local non-denom churches. I think a Methodist church, and then another kind of non-denom church. And for me, I didn't have a car. I had friends going to this non-denom church, so that's where I went. Um, and once you know, I had a car. My second, my sophomore year, that's mm -hmm. when I ended up getting confirmed in the Episcopal Church. But for you, um, you specifically only chose Episcopal churches, and this is kind of the first topic I want to get into. Um, I, I quickly looked up statistics right before we started recording. Um, in 1984, 5% of Protestants were non-denominational. In 2018, 22% were. Oh, wow. And 12.5% of all Americans identify as non-denom now. It used to be less than 5% just, you know, 15 years ago. So, um, I mean, if you read any Christian magazine, I mean, they're always talking about the rise of the non-denoms after covid you know, most denominationally affiliated Christians have really dropped. Non-denoms are, are dropping, but less so. Um, why, why stay in an Episcopal church? I mean, for me, I turned 18. That was my chance to leave the church I grew up in, which was the Southern Baptist Church, kind of a mega church, um, and really figure out what I want for my own. So for you to, to stay in the church that you grew up in, um, why are some of the reasons you're staying there? Why was it important for you because let's be, let's be real, are there many college kids going to your college church? Probably not. Probably not, yeah. So when I got confirmed in the Episcopal Church of College, I was the only ones there. I mean, it was me, Chloe, and, and my roommate at the time. Um, there are probably lots of hip college churches where 20, 30 college kids are going. Why is it important for you to stay within the Episcopal Church rather than just simply find a fun church that you'll find friends in? I think through apologetics— Part of the thing that, a topic I was always especially interested in is why am I Episcopalian? Nope. And so I've been able to explore that over like the last couple of years. Like, like why, why this tradition? Mm -hmm. Like why, why is this important to be here and not, you know, non-denominational, right. Catholic, all the other um, denominations? And of course, communion, part of that. And so, but I've been able to look into that over the years and I want to say Episcopalian because i believe what we're doing is how we should practice Christianity and everything with that. And there's a there's a confidence you get in that that allows you to say, I might be the only college kid here, right? And that's okay, because you have this understanding of, you know, reverence for the sacraments. They are practiced regularly. They are, they are done according to a tradition that's been here for a long time. Um, 
and you know, for, for me, one, it was a similar thing. Once I started to get convinced of that, I was fine being the only college kid in the mm-hmm. local Episcopal church. I wish there was more. There weren't, though, and that was, that was still okay with me because the reason I was going to church was not primarily to make friends. And sure. I think um, when I was in college, it probably was the same for you, um, that was kind of the big sell of the, the big churches you know, that came to campus and tried to recruit people was come here, look at all the college kids that come here. I mean, that was kind of the big selling point was you'll make friends, you might meet your spouse, you know, lots of lots of people dating, you know, that was kind of the big sell for, for them. And that is part of what kind of got me disillusioned, kind of said, why am I actually going to church? Is it to make friends or is it in pursuit of something something deeper? Was it similar for you? Well, you were working at a church, so yeah, you weren't was, making friends there. I was there. working at a church. I mean, I think, I, I, I would like to think that um, what has helped your formation in this, which might be the difference for a lot of college students, is most most people only know their one home church yeah. context. And especially in a non-denom or even, even in a denominational setting, they aren't aware of that tradition outside of that yeah. local, local church mm-hmm. context. So you may go to whatever church it is, but um, all you know is that experience mm-hmm. and not much beyond that. And so, yes, other churches may be more appealing because they offer something yours didn't have back home. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like to think for, for, for Abby, she's been to Anglican uh, masses in the United States in various cities. Um, she has been in England. Mm-hmm. She's been um, to an Anglican mass in Palestine. Mm-hmm. She's been to um, a, a cathedral in the Bahamas. I mean, so yep. in four different countries, she's seen this tradition and and the Catholicity mm-hmm. of it, the universality of it, but also contextualized. You know, I mean, in each place. I mean, yeah. my gosh. I mean, we, you know, we took. You know, I was a, a con celebrant in. Um, uh, I think that was in Nablus where we were. Yeah, n- not far from you know the the, the Palestinian headquarters. I mean, yeah. and after we left, you know, it was the the church was raided by the Israeli Defense Force and all that. I mean, so these are not American right. high and dry, you know, whatever right. kind of churches. I mean, this is really really interesting context. And so mm-hmm. to see that, I hope gives a a, a bigger, broader foundation that yeah. Um, Roanoke's going to be different than Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. but those are all different from Grand Bahama and Nablus right. and Canterbury and, you know, Philadelphia and all those mm-hmm. places. And there's there's that linking there. You, you might be alone as a college kid in the church in Roanoke, but you are not alone worldwide. And I think that there's there's a lot of comfort there. I also think it's worth mentioning that you said a few years ago you started thinking through, why am I Episcopalian? You start doing that in a month, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean kind of have to start laying that groundwork. And, and I know you did that with your family. We do that in the youth group here. But you have to start addressing those questions before it's Sunday morning, your first week at college, and you say, maybe I should go to church. I, I don't really know the churches around here. Um, that was a big thing for me was that first Sunday, and this is a great piece of advice I got, that's the most important Sunday of all four of your years mm-hmm. is that first Sunday when you are alone because it, it sets the stage for the rest of the time. Is it going to be a priority on Sunday morning for you to get up and go to Mass or is it going to be a once every four weeks? I can miss when I'm not feeling like it. I mean, setting that that habit and expectation for me meant a lot of Sundays it was just Chloe and I going to church. Um, but we were okay with that mm-hmm. because we had some some confidence in there. And I, I think that going to church on Sunday should, um, maybe I shouldn't say this, I don't want to, I mean, I think campus ministry is good and has a role, but it cannot replace going to church on Sunday morning. Correct. Because Sunday morning, that is the pattern and discipline that you're going to sustain in your, for the rest in, of your, your life. Rest of your life. You're not going to do campus ministry. Correct. Whatever that may look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do both. Yeah. But certainly do, yeah, do, that, do Sunday morning. That's a good point. So at OU, and I've never really had experience with campus ministry elsewhere, so I can kind of only speak to OU, but um, at Oklahoma, there was a Episcopal campus ministry, and you know, I went with them on a Sunday evening one time. It was fine. Um, it was a mixed bag, you know, they, they did a service on Sunday night, but it was important for me to be part of a church with 
a wide range of people. Um, I didn't want it to be another siloed community of yep. college kids, kind of group thinking. I wanted to actually see old people and young people and families. And that was really, really helpful for Chloe and I to go to a church where we weren't... Um, and you're off campus. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, where good, yeah. It was, it, they were going to be here without us in four years. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It was not, you know, only structured around us and college and our our desires. I mean, it, they were doing their thing, and we just kind of came alongside and joined them. And that was that was good for me to experience because until then, I'd been at churches that were entirely focused on college kids and that experience. And you know, I I think the the danger of that is in four years you leave, and now you're going to ordinary churches, and it's it's not it's not catered around you. Are it's you not, worried I'm going to text you every Sunday and say, "Well, did you go this morning?" I think you know I'll go. He's still gonna text I, you. I don't think you'll text me. I feel like you would like. Do you have find your friends on her? I do. Oh, you do. He probably would track he's, me. It's gonna be between the nine and eleven service, and he's gonna be scrolling through, seeing where you're at. Especially since the one I'm going to is at ten, so you're mm-hmm. kind of set there. Oh yeah, no, you're not. Oh no, but when no, you get he's gonna be done between the services. What I what I expect to happen. And we've talked about this briefly. Is I expect there to be. Uh, I mean, this is. I mean, the the temptation to not go. And the convenience to not go is going to be... And the ease of, and the not, ease going of not going in college. It's going to be, um, I mean, very, I mean, it's going to be very easy to not go. And I think what I wanted her to know is um, that's a part of being an adult, mm-hmm. is is that there'll, there'll be, there will be a Sunday or Sundays where you're not going to go. Correct. I know that. Yeah, I, I, I miss I Sundays. And, yep. and, you know, I, I, I don't, I think, I, I think I would like some credit of not um, of not being ugly about that, I expect that that may be your rebellion to not go every every single Sunday. I don't this think this so. goes back to what we talked about last week with parenting. I mean, I, um, I would, it would break my heart if you oh don't. Oh my but, gosh! You know, those, you, know you said this. You said the expectation, but the the strays. You know, there's grace there, and that's part of grace that learning. Grace has to be understood. Experience. We've talked about that a lot here. Yeah. grace is the primary. That's thing part of that know. learning yeah. experience. Let, let's move on to the the second topic. Um, because I, th- I think you'll have a lot to say about this. Um, you're a you're a college athlete now. Um, you were a well-known, successful high school multi-sport athlete um, all four years of high school. Um, varsity all four years mm-hmm. for basketball. Yeah, <clears throat> you were not <clears throat> you were not like I was in high school where I did I did sports and I, I hoped one day to get to start and uh, I moved to a different sport. You know. That was practiced three days a week. Um, this was a serious commitment, and it was you know it was obvious. I mean, it's obvious now when you're doing all this conditioning to prepare. The the phrase or the complaint that Father Steve and I hear all the time, and let's be clear, it's a justified complaint. Is that sports, especially youth sports, demands so much that it leaves very little room for church. For you and for you. How did you navigate that, um, especially maybe like the last couple of years when you could drive and you were starting to make decisions for yourself? How often did those actually, you know, compete against each other? Because I think you'd be lying if you said they mm-hmm. never did. A lot. That was actually <clears throat> like one of the hardest things when I was younger, especially. So I played soccer before yep. I played basketball and I wanted to I was very focused on soccer when I was younger. And I got to a point where it was like rec wasn't enough. And so the next step would be travel soccer. And soccer is worse than basketball in the sense of Sunday games. And so I even like tried out for a team, got on the team, all this stuff, but it just wouldn't work out because I was gonna miss church. And that was actually when the pivot to basketball started. it is crazy. Like there really isn't basketball, soccer, baseball, all of yeah, those sports. Baseball now. Saturday and Sunday games consistently. So then when that happened, I pivoted to basketball and I kept doing that. I didn't again, I didn't start playing travel until I could drive, until mm-hmm. I was 16. And I went with a program that did a little bit less traveling. Mm-hmm. And then even then it was during COVID, so it actually made it a little bit harder, but I would still go to church on Sundays. I, I didn't go out of town as much. I probably was only out of town 
maybe four or five mm-hmm. times over two years. Yep. But I would still find a church. During COVID, we had to get tickets, actually. We would, like, find yeah. a local church and, like, have to apply for the tickets, right. which ended up being a problem because, like, our games Nightmare would get scheduled scenario, yeah. at the same time. Um, and then when my games were in Charlotte, I just wouldn't stay the night. I would come back and forth, that kind of stuff. But it definitely – and – Travel programs can make it seem like you can't miss your game. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Like, church, you can go to church any other Sunday. Right. They don't. This let is you... setting the stage for the future. Yes. And so, but I think, I don't think it needs to be like that. I don't know. It's it, definitely an issue. It clearly was not a make or break scenario for you. I mean, you are no. now a college athlete. Mm-hmm. You, you made it work. I also think it's, it's interesting because I grew up, um, and did, I think, travel ball for one year. But I, I had friends who did select baseball, and especially with baseball, it's it's very competitive, a lot of money. Parents are paying a lot for their kids. They're told, you do this so that they can be successful later on. So they're traveling all the time. I don't think they would have ever thought about, well, we're out of town, but we could find another church here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's doable. I mean, you ended up having to be out of town a couple times, you still you still were able to find a church maybe with an early service or yeah. a later. I mean, you make it work, mm-hmm. but um, I think part of that is that church was a priority for you. For sure. I mean, to the point where you switched sports to, mm-hmm. to make sure that that could remain a priority. Um, I think if you, you know, really get down to it, um, I mean, here's here's the question I'm going to pose to you. I know, I know how you're going to answer, but if you had to give up one thing for the rest of your life, sports or church, what would it be? Definitely sports. And and I knew you were going to answer it that way, but that ultimatum, you know, it sounds a little aggressive, but I, I think we, we need to be able to be honest about what our expectations are for families who are Christian and where where our foundations are. I mean, it's, not gonna, it's hopefully not going to come to that, but if it does, you mm-hmm. need to be clear about which one takes precedence over the other. I mean, you're, our kids should be clear. I mean, my, my son will be clear. I hope he plays sports. I hope he loves baseball. I also hope he knows when it comes down to it, one of those takes precedence over the other 100% of the For time. Sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, as much as we don't want to pit them against each other um, and as much as we, you know, want to make them work, I think sports are great. I think all extracurriculars, whatever people end up doing, that's good. Um, you just do you know, school and, and nothing else, um, you're missing a lot of development, competition, you know, fun. Um, I think all of that is good. But when they are, when the, when the rubber meets the road and they are pitted against each other, which one is going to prevail? Um, for you, it was religion, and you found a way to make the sports work still. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that goes to show that, you know, even though people say you got to pick one or the other, you, you don't necessarily have to. It might look different for you. You you went to I think seven thirty a couple times, mm-hmm. um, the the earliest service of the morning that doesn't last as long because you had something else going on later that day. But but you make it work, um, and I think I think that's an interesting way to go about it. I think you're an example of a success story of making it a priority and also you know having the the skill set and the determination to to make the sports work too. True. I'm just going to hop in on the parent um, side on this and say that, I mean, yeah, it was not, it was not, uh, um, I mean, we had, we, to, be, to be fair, she didn't push back an awful lot because mm-hmm. she knew at some point this is just a non-issue, it's not right. a starter. Um, but I think the problem, and when I was growing up, partly because of where I grew up, travel ball was not a thing. Yeah. And so... It, yeah, it, it is so specialized There was now. really only school ball, and there wasn't... I mean, there was no school ball on Sunday. I mean, so it, mm-hmm. I, never, I never had to fight this battle. And I love sports. Played them yeah. and, and would, would don't regret a moment of that. And I'm thrilled that my, my kids play sports. I think the problem with travel ball, that what it's become, there's nothing wrong with it in itself, but travel ball tends to, or club sports, tend to 
to um, make a false promise that if you come mm-hmm. to us, you will go play in college. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Everyone buys into that hope. And then what happens is they end up not going to college to play ball. They hate the sport, and mm-hmm. now they've missed out years on extraordinarily important formation. Correct. What does the church do? The church says, come and follow Jesus, and it's not a false hope. You will come to know him and have yep. a transformed life. Everybody will yeah. um, who who comes to this, and 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 it will last. Hundred percent success rate 100%. over thousands of years. Yes, and and it will sustain you into your into your you know your entire life. And someone said one time, tongue in cheek, and it's a bit harsh and it's funny, but it's true, is that what what are the stats? You know, like 08 percent will mm-hmm. play college ball, mm-hmm. but a hundred percent of us will stand before the great judgment seat. You know, yeah. and I thought, okay, I mean, it's not to say that you're going to hell if you don't go to church. You know, in this many Sundays. But, but I mean, you know, Abby may rebel and never go to church again after a first semester. That's a possibility. We pray not. No. But um, it's a false dichotomy that you can't do sports. Um, and it's not like you're a genetic freak. Mm-hmm. I mean, you worked. Yeah. You worked hard. I mean, as much as it would give me great pride to say <laughs> that you're, was a you're a genetic freak, freak you're not. <laughs> But you worked hard. You you but you 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 did this not only just church, but came to most youth offering you know, mm-hmm. the ones you could. Correct. Um, and um, but also now you you were successful in high school and going and going to college. You can do both. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the it's the sales pitch. Yeah. Because these these leagues make money, make tons of money. A lot of money. To to make parents choose, uh, and the majority choose poorly. I right. Think. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, look, I, I'm not looking forward to the more and more youth sports get specialized and the more expensive they get and having a son and hoping that he plays sports and knowing what that's going to entail. But even before he's born, I, you know, I'm, I'm very clear on that second question. you got to give up one. Which one are you going to give up? You need to be clear about that. You pray it never comes to that, but you have to be able to answer that before any of the what-ifs or issues arise so that you're prepared to kind of deal with them as they come. Let's move on to the third point. Um, this is kind of the last question I have, and then and then we can take it wherever we want to go. But um, I was thinking about, you know, young people as Christians in this world, um, and I think you would agree with this. Most young people feel like it's harder than ever to be a faithful Christian. Um, it's definitely harder than when you were going to college. It's probably harder than when I was going to college not that long ago. Um well, over 10 years ago, so a little bit longer. But um, uh, no, not, not ten, 10 years ago, five, six years ago. Anyway, um, when I graduated. But thinking about, you know, what are the pressing challenges? What are the biggest threats? Um, I think if you ask, you know, conservative Christians, they say the progressives are the biggest threat. You ask progressives, the conservatives are the biggest threat. The fundamentalists are the biggest threat to Christianity. As a young person going through high school, going to college, what do you think is the biggest challenge for living as a faithful Christian? Like, when it comes down to it, what makes it the hardest? What feels like it is telling you to, you know, give up or, or do something else? That's a good question. Because I think every, every group of Christians seems to have their own answer. And I think, you know, they all may be on to something. But in your unique context... I mean, think, think about your high school years. What made it hard to actually live a, a faithful, religious life? And what do you think will make it hard in college? I think now there's really just so few people that do it. Yeah, that would be my guess. Right? Yeah. Is that I even explaining like, oh, like I have to go to church. Mm-hmm. People don't understand what? that. Yes. Yeah. They don't get it and they think it's, or they, they almost think I'm naive in that Correct. sense, that I'm not, I haven't seen the outside world yeah. for whatever it is, but I have. <laughs> it's just, this is what I'm choosing. And if that, and a lot of people don't think that church is like a, important to their own religion, mm-hmm. which is strange. They think that, I don't know. If they just don't prioritize that as a part of their own faith. You're talking about even Christians. Yes. Yep. Well, people who I would say like say they're Christian. Self-proclaimed Christians. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But don't necessarily like, have a denomination, mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff. I'd say that's the hardest thing. And I think that and um, being 
a Christian, having Christian values, I'm all, I was once like described as like like a walking conscious for other people. And so you make other people feel so guilty that they don't want to be around you yep. or they don't want to be friends with you and confide in you about things because you make them feel guilty for exist- yeah, existing. Yeah, nothing, nothing of what you've even said. Yes, nothing I've ever said, nothing mm-hmm. I've pushed, but just they know how you live your life. And so it makes them guilty, feel yeah. guilty. So I feel like that's definitely the hardest thing for sure. Uh, that was that was what I was going to guess. Um, is that what you were going to guess too? I, I think we've mentioned this before. Um, not antagonism, but apathy. I think mm-hmm. is one of the greatest threats to living a religious life. It's the it's the apathetic, even self-proclaimed Christians who genuinely, genuinely do not understand why that is such a priority for you. Um, because in their mind, they're just as much of a Christian. They don't go to church. Mm-hmm. They, they don't view it as a priority. They might go twice a year. They think, yeah, it's important, but priority, maybe not. I think that apathy, I think you're, you're right, that that really is starting to become the biggest antagonism. Um, no, sorry, not the antagonism, but the biggest challenge or threat that makes being religious hard. And we've, we've talked about this before, that people get uncomfortable, not for anything you say, but simply being religious, because it makes them feel judged. Um, it makes them feel uncomfortable with their own convictions. Um, I mean, I remember experiencing this the, the first time I went to an Episcopal church, seeing people kneel to pray, cross themselves. It made me uncomfortable at the beginning, but I realized quickly, because I was, I was seeking to learn, that it was, it was uncomfortable because I didn't have those same practices, and I wanted them, but I didn't know how to get there. So I would kind of shy away from it, a um, little uncomfortable, but it was because secretly I, I wanted to be like them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an interesting point that you raise, that you, know, you go off to college, you make church a priority, people are going to be frustrated with you or uncomfortable because they, I think, know that probably should be a priority for me. I'm just not there yet. So I'm going to get a little frustrated, get a little pushed back a little bit so that I don't have to deal with that. Which is that. an interesting, ironic bit of intolerance, isn't it? It is. Is that you're just being you, mm-hmm. which is all that we're told we're, yeah. we should do, yet you being you makes me uncomfortable. Correct. And, and so that's not tolerated. And that, I yeah. think that is a, is a very, very difficult thing, is yeah. that people will make assumptions about you and about your attitudes and everything else, which... You know, are caricatures of mm-hmm. the reality, and not even getting to know you and what you believe and what you stand for, uh, and that pr- I would imagine well, we've had conversations is that you you feel that, and you are anticipating that kind of judgment, uh, and so it's difficult to have authentic relationships. Yeah, with you almost want to tone it down because you're afraid that they're going to see you and not even not even explore your your nuanced positions. Correct, and then they're going to judge you, and so you know you'll, you'll be canceled. Yeah, right? and so I think I think among she's she's told me, and you're our guest. I don't mean to talk over you, but no, um, you know of we only of, have two mics of, of being canceled among among young people, teenagers yeah. today is something that that I don't experience. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't didn't happen in my in my teenage years at no. all. I mean, not to this degree. Is that, is that sort of fair? You're not in your head, so yeah. yeah. I would say they just they people have. Yeah, like their own preconceived notion of what I believe, what I think, or even if I do believe something, they think I'm going to treat people differently because Correct. they don't believe the same things as I am, or I can't be friends with someone that has right. different beliefs and thinks differently than I do. Um, that's definitely, definitely part of it. And I also think it might be just, I don't know if people have had bad experiences with other young Christians mm-hmm. before, and I'm like, I'm not. I should be probably better about this. I'm not very naturally evangelical mm-hmm. either, so I'm not. I don't really push things on people, or mm-hmm. I'm, should be probably a little bit more. But I don't know if they just have had bad experiences with that, because I I know other people, like from the area, who definitely are more evangelical, and mm-hmm. it can be like a lot and kind of abrasive sometimes. Oh yeah. So I think that partly rubs could, people the wrong way. Yes, they just like want to steer clear. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, you think about the uh, assumptions and, and, you know, judgments and whatever. Um, the biggest example that I've had recently of that is ever since I started wearing the collar. 
um, we, we joke about this, but you walk down a hallway and people yeah. push against the wall. I mean, as far away as they can get from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have other people intentionally, you know. It's great flying Intentionally greet though, me. Because you get the seat by yourself. Good on the airplanes. Really but th- there's an assumption there. There's a, if he's too close, he's going to judge me. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to back away as, as far as I can get. These assumptions about these outward, visible, religious expressions um, are, are, funny to me, but also they reveal something, I think, about where people are at, that that any expression of religion is unwelcome because it makes people, I think, genuinely so uncomfortable at times because, and I, I think they're feeling a correct thing, you see these outward expressions and it does kind of rock you a little bit. It's supposed to call your attention. I mean, that is why we have religious symbolism all over our church so that when you walk in and we have a high ceiling so that your eyes naturally go upward to heaven, it makes you feel small. All of that that some people think is cold or, you know, judging um, is aimed at, that. that's kind of the point. It's, it's, it's aimed at trying to get you to think about yourself, to in, inhabit a space of prayer. And if that is the last thing you want to do, then you find yourself pushing back uh, against that. Um, that apathy, I think, is part of, you know, and you mentioned this, self-proclaimed Christians um, that, that don't make church a priority anymore. And that does no good for you when you say, I'm a Christian, I want to make church a priority. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, well, I know five Christians, and none of them go to church every Sunday. Yeah. Um, the divided church, you know, we've talked about this before, does a, does a lot of damage to our, our witness as Christians who are trying to... Um, explain why we do certain things a certain way, and people just think, well, that's fine. I know 10 other Episcopalians or 10 other Christians who you know, haven't been to church in a year, and, and they seem fine with it. Um, the divided church has done a lot of damage to that, I think, in the last you know, 10, 15 years, even since I was in college, when most people um, were religious. I mean, I had friends who were Muslim, friends who were Christian, um, friends who were, I'm trying to think, Sikh, uh, and, but most of them were Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of them were religious and understood different obligations and stuff. Nowadays, I don't think it's, it's at that point yet. Um, most people are you know, nominally re- spiritual, but definitely not religious with the same level of expectations. What sort of um, reflections or marriage between athletics and faith do you have? <clears throat> Like has one a good question. influenced the other, or how is how is being an athlete influenced your understanding of faith, um, or even vice versa? How has your faith influenced your understanding of athletics? I think definitely discipline-wise, mm-hmm. that there's a, a big correlation between the two. I mean, I have to be. I'm not as good at it, and the, the Christian part, but I have to be disciplined in athletics mm-hmm. to get better, to be well, a better I mean, Christian. You coming have to, be, to church every Sunday is yes, a discipline. But like, I'm not good at doing like daily office every day, that kind of stuff, which I should probably work on. But um, anyway, I have to be disciplined to be, an ath- to be a good athlete. So you have to be disciplined to grow your own faith. And so I definitely, there's definitely like connection there. And then I think the way that faith has, like as an athlete, the way that faith has impacted me is, for one, I know that um, my self-worth is not determined by my performance. It's off the fact that like, I'm God's child. So that can relieve a lot of just you know stress on yourself. I would say that. Um, yeah. What are some of the spiritual disciplines um, you're talking about? You need to be more disciplined. You understand that that you hope emerge in college. I mean, what are some of your, you know, prioritized disciplines um, apart from just going to church? I definitely want to start doing daily office. Like that's something that I actually enjoy doing when I'm doing it. It's just, and he's helping me. It's kind of hard to find like the mm-hmm. readings, the lessons, it's the calls. A, it's a high, it can be a high bar. Yes, yeah. yeah. especially with the yeah. uh, 79 prayer book yeah, where it's a choose your own adventure. Yeah. yeah, it's sometimes just a little bit hard to navigate what to do, but definitely that. And 
reading the Bible. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm really not very good at that either. Dad showed me an app, so. What's the app? What's it called? I don't even remember. Well, I showed her the Katana. Uh, Katana. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Yeah. That, that's the part of reason. And, and yeah. stuff like that. We've all talked about this before. What's hard for me with reading the Bible is I feel like I am reading something that I don't understand, and mm-hmm. I don't want to interpret it in a way that does not need to be interpreted. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful because you can look at the church fathers and see what right. they said about it, and they knew what they were talking about. Yeah. So that makes being, you know, setting the word by myself easier mm-hmm. so tell uh, t- talk about the role of um pilgrimage oh yeah because you're going back next year mm-hmm. and yep. that's been the one thing that you've been i mean most focused on is trying to find a way to get back to mm-hmm. um, the holy land next year i think i always had a hard time it sounds really bad but like when you're reading the bible it almost is like a fantasy read it doesn't feel real. You say, that. Yeah, you say yeah. you say that sounds bad. Ninety nine percent of Christians view it the same. And way. I didn't I didn't really think that I thought about it that way until I went over there because I don't know, even like distances from places. Mm-hmm. Like you have no mental understanding of how far right. apart places are or what they, they look are. like yeah, or yeah. I had never been to a desert. I'd yeah. never seen huge sand dunes. Yeah. So I wasn't able to put myself in the shoes of the people in the Bible. And so that made it kind of hard to just comprehend, understand, and impact me. So then when I went on the pilgrimage, and I was able to see all these places. I was able to see Capernaum. I was able mm-hmm. to go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, see... It's actually interesting, the distances from like where he was born, where he died, where he lived and did his work. Mm-hmm. Um it it just was like it made faith so much more real and then again just the holy sepulcher like seeing the place where jesus died for our sins mm-hmm. like that is mind boggling um and to just be surrounded by so many people in all different faiths um who are just so dedicated to Religion. It was sort of the opposite, right, of being That's in, a, true, in yeah, an apathetic world. world. Yes. And now where you, if you're not practicing your faith outwardly, <laughs> at least in Jerusalem, you are the minority there. Very true. Whereas it's, it's the opposite here. And it's, I mean, faith has, has brought you to, um, to become a citizen of the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember the two of us walking in the old city by ourselves thinking, we're in a world capital, mm-hmm. a, a, a contested, contentious world yeah. capital. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we're, we're mingling in, with people of all different nationalities and languages and, and having that perspective. And that's got to help learning about world history. And, and then when you, when you talk to people, though, who have their views on things, you know, that travel, I mean, St. Augustine apparently is said to have said, don't tell me what you've read. Tell me where you've been. Yeah. And if he didn't say that, it's a great quote, yeah. you know, to be able to navigate the the, 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 you know, the really difficult questions that we have facing us now, I would, I would think that was a major part. So I would, I, would be, I would wonder if you did not take that pilgrimage last year, how this conversation mm-hmm. might be somewhat different. Yeah. Now, that's a high bar for people to go to the Holy Land. Again, that's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's time. time. I understand that. But, um, I mean, that, I think that played a major role in your development. True. I agree. My uh, my dad growing up, anytime he we would talk about, you know, money or vacation, he, he always said life's about choices, and people will choose the things to prioritize. And so I think about you know travel ball and the rise of youth sports and what where families are spending their money, um, maybe making pilgrimage a priority. Life's about choices. Where are you choosing to spend your money? You might have 16 years to, to save up for that, that one oh, experience. Definitely. One that year change. travel ball will, be, will, will pay for a pilgrimage yeah. to the Holy Land. But no you doubt. might have 16 yeah. years. That, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm thinking sure. about you know, start saving up now for, for my kids to, to make a same pilgrimage. And I think people like you, people like Wyatt, you see the fruits of um, young people going and how it really does redefine um, their life and their faith and their spirituality, um, it, it's worth it. And so for me, again, as a parent speaking, I think this is something that just worked out, but I'm glad it did, is my only anxiety about you, Abby, is being gone for the first time from from this context for, for a year is that 
you know, you may get, you, you, I mean, you may get off your course a bit. Um, and I'm, and I'm hoping, praying not, but that pilgrimage may be the one thing to, to mm-hmm. reset it as you go back for your sophomore yeah, that's year. True. That's true. That you've, you've already, you've already had that one year out there and then you've now to go back to something mm-hmm. that you know is going to give you some strength. Mm-hmm. And then uh, your freshman year is always your hardest year. It's complex. It's fun. All that sort of stuff. But then it's back, back down to back on, on the right, on the right path. So having that reset for all of us, though, not just for teenagers, mm-hmm. what's the one place where we can go and, and, and be recalibrated back to what we need to be <clears throat> is, a, is an important part of our, our faith journey. Well, Abby, you've, you've got an audience for you know, another two minutes if you want it. Any, any last things you want to say or discuss, or are there any last questions you want to ask her, Father Steve? No, not here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How are you going to handle having a different priest for a year? That's going to be really weird. Yeah. And no incense? Not, um, I think they have incense, actually. Mm. I know. Um, I guess the good thing is I can just call you, <coughs> ask you questions about things. That's That's the one weird thing. <clears throat> this is more of a priest kid thing than anything, but like, if I have a question about something, I just got to go downstairs. Yeah. That that's the good that's like I can't imagine not having a priest's dad in in a way because like if I have a question about, you know, the different types of angels, I can go downstairs and understand their different jobs of mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It, like or and the deeper questions I ask, he can still answer them. Yeah. Like there's not a stopping point. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure if someone was asking me the questions that I ask him, I you would, would have, say, I'd let me go like, ask someone else. That's a little, I don't know. So that's going to be a little strange, but I can still call them. So. Yep. You're going to have a little bit fewer questions to answer on weeknights unless Walker True. and Luke start picking up this line. Yeah, good point. Your 9 p.m. questions, won't, yeah. you'll be chilling. <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you, Abby, for joining us. Um, obviously, we're all praying for you as you leave in a month plus a day. Um, and, you know, you are one of the people we have immense confidence in, um, which is, you know, why we're thrilled to have you on this podcast. But uh, thank you for joining us. And let's close with the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore.